Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the UBS Conversations podcast channel. Creating and maintaining a budget is a key part of helping young investors set themselves up for future success. In this podcast, Ainsley Carbone, total wealth strategist for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office, as well as Morgan Highland, wealth planning specialist, will discuss why budgeting is important, how to get started, and some strategies to consider. Ainsley, Morgan, welcome and thank you for joining us. So today we are going to be discussing budgeting, sort of like the basics of budgeting. We're going to talk about three main topics. We're going to start with why you should focus on budgeting, why it's important. We're going to focus on how to get started. And then we're going to discuss how you can use the information that you gather from the budgeting process to find the right balance between spending today and saving for the future. So Morgan, why is it important to budget? Well, let's see. Oftentimes, I think people tend to think about a budget as something that's going to tell you what you can't spend your money on. But in reality, the budgeting process really just allows you to prioritize how you spend your money. It gives you the opportunity to build that fun spending into your budget so that you can actually enjoy yourself today. And it also brings awareness to your spending habits. The benefit of this really is just that by being aware of both your good and bad spending habits, you'll be able to set up some key strategies within your budget or within your financial plan to raise the barriers for those bad behaviors that you may have and to help reinforce the good habits that you tend to have. So Morgan, let's see, let's say you're you're meeting with a young investor and they're thinking about building a budget and they've never done this before. And they say, Morgan, I want to get started, but I don't know how to. What guidance would you give them to get started with their budgeting process? It's a great question. And to be honest, I would probably just start by explaining what a budget is. And at the highest level, your budget is looking at your inflows, so what's coming in each month, and your outflows, what's going out each month. And your inflows, that can be things like earnings from your job, any rental income, trust income that you receive. And your outflows is your spending, whether that's discretionary, um, what you do for fun or non-discretionary, things like your rent, groceries, etc. And so, you know, when you're thinking about your inflows and outflows, you probably know at least at a high level what's coming in each month and how should you allocate that um, to your outflows. And so one common framework that people think about is what's called the 50-30-20 budget. And what that is, is that when you look at your inflows, about 50% should go to your needs. Like I mentioned before, your rent, your groceries, your utilities. 30% can go to your wants, think your hobbies, your vacations, dining out, And then 20% should go towards saving for goals, whether that's building your emergency fund, saving for retirement, paying off debt. Um, Thinking about your budget in that 50, 30, 20 mindset can be a really easy way to start. Um, But of course, it's just a framework. It's going to look a little bit different for everyone. Um, So Ainsley, would love to hear from your perspective, what might be an occasion where the 50, 20, 50, 30, 20 framework might not work or need to be adjusted for someone? Yeah, so like you said, it's definitely a good, it can be a really helpful place to start, but it should definitely just be kind of like a framework. And the re- one of the reasons I see is as why it shouldn't be um, a, a strict budget that everyone's going to abide by is because of the difference in cost of living from one city to the next. For instance, let's say I'm living in, or you're living in New York City, and let's say I'm living in way upstate New York. If we're getting paid the same amount, I'm going to maybe be able to spend, let's say, 30% of my after-tax income or my take-home pay to afford a very comfortable lifestyle in way upstate New York, 
Whereas you might not be able to spend that little. You might have to be spending much more of your take-home pay in order to live a comfortable lifestyle in New York City. So in that case, you just you don't have as much left over as maybe I would living in a lower cost of of living area um, in order to be able to decide how much you want to spend on on the fun things or how much you're sp- on how much you're saving. Excuse me. So I think the cost of living is one area where that can make the 50, 30, 20 budget um, irrelevant from, for one person as opposed to another. Another instance would be life changes. Um, I think that budget is helpful for someone who's just starting out in their lifestyle. It kind of gives you some guidance to say, okay, if I'm looking for an apartment to rent, I should probably stay within 50% of my, my take-home pay. I probably don't want to be spending 60% of my take-home pay if I can afford to do that, if I'm able to do that within this city. So that's a good place to start. But as you go through your life, your life is going to change. You know, if you get married, your income, those inflows you were talking about, that's going to change. If you have children, your outflows are absolutely going to change. That's a major expense. So like you said, it's a good place to start, but certainly not a place that's going to be um, a definite. uh, It's not a solution that's going to be a definite answer for everyone. And it's not going to be something that you want to maintain over the long run. So I guess, Morgan, how would you, are there different, how would you, how do you keep track of your budget and your spending over time? So there are definitely a lot of different resources and ways that you can start tracking your budget. Honestly, what I personally do is I have an Excel spreadsheet where, you know, every month or every quarter, I'll just go in, I'll look at what I spent that month, I'll look at what my inflows were that month, and I'll just make sure that I'm kind of in line with what my budget is and what I'm hoping to spend. Um, I, when I first moved to New York, and a funny story, my roommate and I, once a month on Sundays, we would sit on the couch and hold our, ourselves accountable to reviewing our budget for that month. And so you can do it as easy as an Excel spreadsheet on your own computer. Um, but I do know not everyone likes Excel. Some people, you know, might not like to enter all that data themselves. And there are for those people, aggregation services out there where you can link up your credit card, you can link up your bank accounts, and it will actually look at it for you and keep track for you and give you a summary each month of how you did in comparison to your budget. So for the more DIY people, Excel is a great way, but there's also some automation ways as well that you can definitely use to keep track of your budget. Um, There's also other resources out there. For example, UBS has a budgeting worksheet. So it's a worksheet that just gives you some line items of inflows and outflows to consider where you can just fill in what you're spending each month. Um, So there's definitely a lot of options to get started. It doesn't need to be difficult. It can be as simple as a piece of paper or an Excel spreadsheet. Um, But once you do kind of come up with your budget and, you know, each month, each quarter, you're checking in to make sure you're on track, um, that's a great place to start. But what are some other strategies that people can use to make sure that they're keeping balance in their life, to make sure that they're adjusting their budget as their life changes. Because as you mentioned, Ainsley, different life events can definitely alter your budget and what your spending needs look like. That's a good question because I do feel like oftentimes when you get a budget or when you build a budget, sometimes you may be under the assumption that that's automatically going to fix all of your spending habits or all of your, your, your bad behaviors. I know I definitely thought that. Um, but in reality, we all have our own behaviors and that can make it really difficult to stick with your budget. But there are different additional steps that you can take or additional actions that you can take to help you stay within that budget over time. 
Um, like for instance, let's see, I know a couple years ago I built a budget. I tried to stay within that 50, 30, 20. And after a couple months, I was like, why am I not staying within that 30%? Like I keep spending over that amount and I don't have as much left over for my savings. So what I did is I went back and I looked, I looked at my spending and I was realizing that every, I get, we get paid two times a month and I was increasing my spending pretty significantly two times a month. It was always after the first payday and always after the second payday. And then before those two paydays, I wasn't spending that much. And I realized that the reason for that was because the way that I choose how much I want to spend is I look at my checking account. And if all of my, my paychecks were going into that one checking account, I was spending all of that. Um, so what I, what I did is I kind of tricked myself because I know like I want to be a good spender or excuse me, I want to be a good saver, but down at my core, I'm not a good saver. But what I am good at is kind of tricking my mind and doing the things that I know are going to be good for me in the long run. So what it, what I like to do is, is take advantage of direct, direct deposits. I would, um, what I do now is I actually set it up so that the amount that I want to allocate towards my saving and investing goes to one account. And then the amount that I want to allocate towards my fund spending goes to another account. And by having those separate, I know that I'm going to look only at the money that I'm spending. Um, and I'm only going to spend within that budget rather than thinking that I have a lot more money to spend on the fun things than I really do. Um, other strategies I'd say in addition to direct deposit, I think that's great for everyone. Um, but it can be more helpful for others depending on your behavior. But I think, in line with that direct deposit would also be automatic investing strategies, you know, taking advantage of those direct deposits, whether it's into an investment account or your 401k. That's like the easiest thing that I think you could do um, is setting it up to go directly into your 401k because you don't really have the option because it, it doesn't come to your bank account right from there. Um, so, Morgan, I don't know if you have any other strategies that you'd like to add, but if you don't, I definitely want to hear from you as to what someone can do to manage this over time. Because like we said, the 50, 30, 20 or any budget that you start with might be good today. But what about when their life events change and their their situation changes? So I first want to say I do the same exact thing you do. I try and automate everything because I know if I don't just tell it to automatically save or automatically go to my 401k, I'm the same way as you. I, I will spend it if it's in my checking account. So I definitely agree with that strategy. And another thing I would say is, you know, as you go through different phases of life, there might be times where it's harder to stick to your budget. So for example, me, I know in the, coming up in the next two years, I have a lot of weddings. And so, you know, traveling to weddings, getting gifts for weddings, all of that can really add up. So it might be harder for me to stick really closely to my budget over the next two years, just because I know I have these big life events for my friends and family occurring. And you know what, that's okay. And I think that's something that people don't always realize they get really beat up and down on themselves if they don't meet their budget every month. But I think what's important is to look at the long-term trends. And if over, you know, the course of the year, you were pretty on track for your budget, it's okay if a couple months it was a little higher, a couple months it was a little lower. Um, so, and, I, and, you know, that's where working with a financial advisor can be really helpful and creating a financial plan. So when I work with clients on their financial plans, we look at their short-term goals, we look at their long-term goals, and we try and give them strategies so that they can best reach those goals. And it doesn't need to be what you spent in January. It's looking at, do you have a structure in place to keep yourself on track? And, um, you know, are you generally sticking to that? And it's okay if at certain times in your life you don't stick exactly to that budget. 
But I will say, you know, especially for younger people who are earlier in their careers and are, you know, starting to progress in their careers, as you make more money over time, one thing to think about is try not to increase your spending in line with your pay increases. Of course, if you're making more money, it, it absolutely makes sense that you should be able to spend more, but within reason, because as you make more money, you also have the opportunity to save um, more money as well. I know, Ainsley, do you have any thoughts around that and in terms of, you know, increasing your savings as you make more? Yes, it's definitely, I have to say, my first couple of years at a college when I was working, um, I'm pretty sure every single time I got a raise or a bonus, I, I always... Shortly after that, I moved to a much larger apartment and maybe a, a more expensive apartment. And when I think back on it, I really just wish I had had these um, like these habits that I'm doing now where I'm looking at my spending and being more aware of it. I wish I had done that previously because I was kind of just doing that. I didn't even think about like the, the long-term consequences that that were going to be had as a result of, of my spending. Um, so I think, yes, this can be like a tedious process going – the tedious process going through and building a budget, maybe tracking your spending, but it can have such a, a huge benefit in the long run just by bringing that awareness to your spending and bringing that awareness to be your behavior. And I think it can help you just be more intentional about the, the savings and spending decisions that you're doing. This doesn't mean that you shouldn't spend more or you shouldn't be able to celebrate anytime you get a raise, but I think it just means thinking more about whether or not you actually need to increase your lifestyle. Um, as you get those raises. So I think um, I think one key aspect of this is, you know, once you set up this budget and once you set up these strategies, don't set it on autopilot. Work with your financial advisor and revisit it as your, your situations change and, and speak with your advisor and they can kind of help you around the things that you're trying to achieve and they can help you take advantage of those earnings increases in a way that's going to help you meet all of your needs over the short term, long term and, and beyond that but they'll also be able to help you enjoy today because it's always about finding that balance, you know, about having fun today, having fun today and also saving so that you can have fun and be comfortable in the future. And it's not easy to strike that balance, but I do think working with an advisor and being aware of your spending um, and not just kind of spending on autopilot, I think that all can really be helpful um, so that you can make sure that, that you're meeting all your needs across all the time horizons. I totally agree. And I love what you said at the beginning, that budgeting should tell you what you can do, not what you can't do. And I think what you said really emphasizes that is that working with your advisor, creating a budget so that you bring awareness to your spending can really open up opportunities for you. It can help you be more intentional in setting and reaching goals. And um, it's important to review it ongoing. Your life is going to change and you should make sure that your advisor is aware of any goals that are changing in your life so that they can help you not only plan for now, but plan for the future. So I think that's a great point. Totally agree with you, Morgan. Well, thank you so much. I think, you know, anyone who's listening that is looking to get started with their budget, we gave some action items, you know, places that you can go, aggregation tools, Excel, if you're interested in that, if you're someone who's interested in that, uh, UBS has that worksheet. We have some action items like, for instance, um, direct deposit or automating your investing strategies. And if you're looking to take those actions, certainly reach out to your financial advisor. If you're interested in any more topics to get started and, and building your financial plan or just kind of getting your your uh, foundation on the ground to get started for your, your long-term financial plan, just reach out to your financial advisor. Um, and 
Morgan, if there's nothing else to add, I'd like to say thank you for joining the conversation. Thank you for having me. It was great to be here. Great. Ainsley Morgan, thank you for your time and for joining us today on the UBS Conversations podcast channel. For our clients of UBS, please be sure to contact your financial advisor for more information on creating and maintaining a budget. The UBS Conversations podcast channel is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash podcasts to view the entire podcast offering. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.